Tuesday night edition of the pod. Got to get to maybe the most anticipated offseason, although Philly is probably up there at this point as well due to the success they had this year. The LA Lakers offseason outlook here. So I think the place to start for them in particular is with the cap sheet and what some of the scenarios are for them. Uh, why don't you take that away, Mr. LaRue? So if the Lakers let all of their unrestricted free agents go and then Travis Ware, who's restricted, so that would keep Randall's hold on the books, they have about $48 million in space. So that is enough for one max of any size and then a little bit more, and then, of course, the room mid-level exception. If they wanted to stretch Will Dang, so he has two years remaining, so he would stretch the remaining money over five seasons, that would add $10.6 million to their 2018 space. That would put them at about 60. 60 million is not enough for two maxes if one of them or both is above the, you know, is at the 10 plus threshold, which is the 35% max, but it is enough for two of the seven to nine max or, you know, you know, with the lower one as well. Yeah. And then if they wanted to remove Randall's cap hold and stretch dang, that would get them to where they could fit both of those. And if they could somehow trade dang, and get that obligation off entirely then the absolute maximum they'd be looking at and that would leave them with just their 25th pick Kyle Kuzma Josh Hart Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball on the roster they could get to 76.9 million estimated uh, uh based on the 101 million dollar cap estimate which may actually go up just a little bit because we've had kind of a long playoffs in the conference finals although maybe we won't in the finals that remains to be seen my guess is that getting off of luol deng would not necessarily be realistic for them now maybe what they might say is all right we've got 25 this year if we know for sure that we are getting lebron james whoever we draft with 25 this year and our first rounder next year we might give up both of those which you can do once you've already drafted the guy uh you could give that pick up um and they say hey you know we're gonna have lebron it's not really worth it to quibble about this pick that's going to be in the 20s next year so if we give both of those up maybe we, that can get us off of, of luol Deng. maybe a team like the hawks would be interested in doing that or the, or, or the bulls do you think that if that were the case and you know we're going down the lebron road already here but you think if that were the case danny that would be enough to get them off of luol Deng completely Oof. The, the problem fundamentally is that if the Lakers trade their 2019 first round pick, the expectation by the acquiring team has to be that that pick is not good. You know, it has to be, you know, it might not be 30, but I would say you would expect 26 to 30 because they're doing that for a reason. And those picks are nice, certainly, but I think that's probably too much. Too, what I was actually much, thinking you mean of. Too much to give up or. or... Sorry, not okay, enough yeah, to so, give up. So you. As the, let's yeah, say, as you're the, the acquiring team, you would not do that at that point to take on correct and, and yeah. dang as we know uh has 36 million 36.8 million remaining over the next two years so that's a, that's a lot of money obviously well and and this gets into something that i want to talk with you about of just kind of one of the mistakes of this lakers season and it could just be that this was inevitable either way i i don't know because luke walton has a better sense of this than i do obviously that because of how the season went well dang does not really have much alive money on his contract you know we talk about dead money and so there were there was a way of thinking about dang that like okay there there's a lot of bad money around the league right now and so if the lakers get to the point where all they're going to do is stretch him then it doesn't really make that much of a difference how good the player is because this isn't like the amnesty provision where if somebody claims them off waivers you know they take some amount it's not like that at all so at that point it becomes better to trade dang for theoretically an inferior player who makes a little bit less money. And then the idea being like, hey, you'd rather have Wall Dang at, let's say, $2 million per year than this other guy who sucks. The problem is, I don't think Dang has shown enough for, let's say, like a Miles Plumley contract or even tech for his former teammate and 2016 co-signee, Timothy Mozgov. I, I'm not completely sure either of those teams is willing to take a couple million dollar hit just to make that difference, which would give the Lakers a little bit less money to stretch. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. And uh, in case you need a reminder of Luol Deng's season, played one game. He started the first game of the year, played 13 minutes, was one of two from the field, and then never played a single minute the rest of the year. 
what what, what there's that's got to be like, for someone who is healthy that's got to be completely unprecedented perhaps they reached the point because remember how injured they were at the end and like brandon ingram was playing ridiculous minutes and lonzo was playing ridiculous minutes so they just didn't have anybody on the wing at all you know they're starting kuzma at the three you have to think that maybe dang just is like hey you know what i'm checked out here i don't even want to be playing and that they kind of acceded to his wishes but nonetheless man that is uh that's pretty remarkable uh let's get back to their cat space situation though another possible scenario is that they are able to get rid of dang but then they want to keep randall's 12.4 million dollar cap hold on the books well you do that and you're at 65.3 million dollars in space which is just barely enough to fit in say lebron james at the 35 percent max that's looking right now like it's going to be 35.4 million dollars and actually no you're not quite there enough it would be 30.3 million maybe if the cap bumps up a little bit you can just barely get there uh and that would leave randall's capital on the books which is useful because now you have him as a restricted free agent and you have bird rights and you can resign him i think he's someone that they it would be nice to be able to resign well there's another thing there just with the structure of everything if if randall is willing to take a salary less than that hold yeah he's say not. it's 11 million even if it <laughs> yeah. but may, yeah maybe, may, maybe at some point he would but but well i'll say i'll put it this way I find it very unlikely he would take a salary less than that hold to uh, in enough time to facilitate free agent signing. We'll put it that way. That, that, I think that's a fair statement. I'll push back a little bit, but not too hard, just because the moratorium is long and by the end of it, but but not at the beginning. Like, and, and LeBron can, if it's LeBron, he can make this simpler by just waiting long enough that the market has already kind of settled. But I just don't think there are going to be that many offers above the mid-level exception for yeah. anybody. So like, maybe maybe Randall gets one of those. It's certainly possible he does, but I wouldn't feel assured of that at all. Yeah, but I still think, I think he would just, he still has the leverage of t- potentially taking the qualifying offer and dragging things out. You know, I mean, we've seen restricted free agents able to get more money just by kind of going down to the start of the season and and also you look at it as well if they kept his cap hold on the books this long and they got lebron james on the team like they actually need that body they, they need him to like play and win games and so you know just to say hey i'm not going to p- sign this offer and play you know he would have some leverage there in any event you know or or also just because you know he and paul george have the same agent as well so if george comes there you have to imagine that they would like do julius a solid and pay him a, a little bit more especially because really you're now you're done with cap space as this lakers team and so it's kind of all right another couple million a year for julius randall that's just fine and considering that the lakers think of how much money the lakers Danny must have like banked in profits these last few years when they're basically you know weren't anywhere close to the tax they're around the cap every year so their salary you know that's basically an extra 20 million dollars that they've been banking so i think they're totally fine paying the tax going forward here uh they've certainly done that in the past but uh, enough of that i guess um yeah well so i think a, a, a transition we could use is to talk about what i think is the other big idea with the lakers which is on more on the negative side you know we talked about what if lebron comes where is the line for just choosing to roll over some or all of that money because the lakers don't really have many increased expenses of all their young guys that are coming in brandon ingram will be the first to get a raise that raise will come in 2020 so they could theoretically spend a similar amount of money depending on what happens with julius randall in either 2018 2019 or split between the two so I would assume we would both have LeBron and Paul George above that threshold. Then it gets tough. I mean, let's say Kevin Durant is over there, obviously, if he were choosing to come there. But so then you get into two guys, I think, that are are a little bit complicated with this. And it might depend on the guys above them, which is Chris Paul and DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah, Cousins, there had been talk before the Achilles that he could potentially be a target. They don't really have a, a center on the roster, of course. But now you know maybe he could come there but i really don't think you want to spend big money on him you know if it's and i'm not even sure this is a lakers team that thinks really big they've got Kawhi leonard as well we can talk about potential trade scenarios involving him but to me i I don't think that cousins is someone i would be interested in unless it's like you know just a one-year deal for the max or something if they strike out on everyone else uh or close to the max you know one year 25 million or something like that um it is interesting though dan because we talked about this in the same way for philly of this idea of like rolling over your cap space if you don't get the guy 
that you want so that definitely is something that i think could happen uh you know chris paul hard to believe to me that he's going to leave houston at this point especially with some of the comments that daryl morey made after the season was over in terms of the fact that they're really expect to bring back this team and, and that they're realized it's going to cost and they're willing to pay that so the chance of paul leaving seem low i mean cousins i'm sure if they offered him enough money he would go for it it's just a question of you know how healthy is going to be so i i would not be very interested in cousins especially when you have all these other young guys that you're trying to build with and develop a culture for so i, I think they would be in the one-year deal i mean you know maybe you could even see brooke lopez coming back then on a one-year deal you could even see kcp coming back again uh, on another one-year deal as well at that point uh, the other nice thing about winning until 2019 is then you can just stretch Luol Deng and it's no problem. You know, it, really the only person they probably would have to eat into 2019 space for would be Randall. But if they can get him for, you know, maybe a little bit more than what his cap would have been this year, the cap goes up to 108. You you can just stretch Deng at that point. It's not that bad or, or trade him. He'll only have one year left on his deal. So the mechanics of doing it are easier. And then you also have a better idea of kind of what's around and what you need in terms of these young guys, how good Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram are going to be. Yeah, so they have to be really flexible to me. I would draw the line around where you did. So LeBron and, and Paul George are clear. Well, but for me, Cousins would be below it largely because if it's a multi-year contract, just because there's so much uncertainty with him. And so if that ends up being, you know, if he's just not the same guy again and that money ends up being dead or close to it, then that makes it a lot harder to sign whoever else you want. And, you know, that's a complicated circumstance. So you have to kind of play both sides of it. But the Lakers are fortunate that, I don't think there's any specific player that would they would really lose out on if, let's say, those guys don't go there or they're going the one-year route. They're going after the players who fell through the cracks in the market anyway. So they're not losing out on those one-year contracts because the guys who are signing those are waiting around to see if they can get a better offer. I wanted to go back to the potential LeBron scenario here. Uh, we can talk a little bit more about like who might make sense if they don't get him. But if they do get him, presumably that means that it's going to be Paul George or, or someone else pretty damn good coming there. If I'm LeBron James, I don't think that a team with me and Paul George and then all these young dudes is ready to compete for a champion. But what if I say, hey, you know what? I'm going to come here, but now you got to trade away either Lonzo Paul and Brandon Ingram and bring in, you know, maybe not another star, but another star. Or certainly, you know, Kawhi Leonard, certainly you would think about it. If I'm LeBron, I would say, yeah, trade Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball to go get Kawhi Leonard. Like, that would be awesome. Like, do that. Uh, and Or at least try to negotiate something there. And I think if they threw in, you know, a few non-guaranteed guys along with Ball and and Ingram, they could get up to enough money to get Kawhi and, and then, you know, do that. It would still be a little bit difficult in terms of the mechanics, though, to fit in both George and LeBron on the max. Maybe one of those guys have to take slightly less than the max if they might be willing to do it. Or you're, again, hoping that the cap is going to go up because you really, you would have to sign LeBron and Paul George before you made that trade. But to get enough salary flotsam to make the trade, uh, you would have to, if you wanted to make it right away in July, you would have to keep those guys on the roster and then you wouldn't necessarily have all the room for the max for lebron and paul george depending again on the mechanics with randall the mechanics with dang etc so that's uh all those are very kind of interesting considerations to, to think about but to me if i'm lebron the only way i'm coming is if you trade at least one of those young guys also because lonzo is really a terrible fit next to lebron uh with the way he shot the ball so far in his career yeah it's a shame because if lonzo was a better shooter that would actually yeah. make some sense i think lonzo can be a capable switch guy you know makes smart decisions moves the ball really well that's really the only sticking point there for me but it's hard to unstick that with this short a time period you know like lebron unless lonzo just like goes in there and just shoots like you know, makes like, I don't know, 85 out of 100 threes in a row or something like that. Be like, see, it's fixed. Then I, I can't imagine him saying, hey, this this isn't this isn't going to work. And this would not be the first time that LeBron James wanted to come to a situation and one of the constraints was changing over the team. For those who remember, his letter when he got to Cleveland specifically did not mention certain guys and those certain guys were not on the team that first, that opening night when he was back on Cleveland. Yeah, the other thing you could say too, which would make the mechanics maybe a little easier is, all right, we'll try it out with these young guys to start. And then if they're just not looking that good, their trade value probably goes down. 
but also you know you can trade them during the season and try to get in some more vets whoever that might be whether it's whether it's leonard or whether you know there are plenty of other guys they can get in more wings they'll need a center you know all that stuff uh randall probably isn't the greatest fit with lebron either maybe he could be a scorer off the bench or something like that paul george is an excellent fit with lebron if he wants to come anything else that sticks out to you about like the potential lebron acquisition like things that they would would be considerations how they'd build the team around him well something something else to note is that they would also be getting a ton of bang for their buck in terms of the room mid-level and minimums because guys are going to want to play with LA they'll want to play with LeBron and they're like there have been with the Warriors especially since they got Kevin Durant there will be players who take a lot less money to go to that opportunity now those will probably be one-year deals that doesn't really build your asset base but if you got LeBron James that asset base doesn't matter as much other than getting guys who make sense around LeBron James. And, oh, I have one more yeah. LeBron question. As Palenka and Magic, do you just have to play ball with him if he says, I just want to do one-year deals the whole like, for a while now? Or do you say, hey, you know, like this, is, we're going to have, especially if he demands like that they overhaul certain elements of the team, maybe not the whole thing, because that would be a lot of change for not much of a commitment. Should that be what what happens? Well, maybe he says one year deals, but he actually says, you know, I'm here for a while. I would want to do it for longer, you know, then you probably got to trust him at his word there. It's it's very tough to say, you know, if we're really going to start doing stuff like stretching guys, trading away young players, maybe potentially not re-signing Julius Randle, I certainly would push for a commitment of longer than a year, but if I couldn't get it, I probably would bite the bullet and just do it. And George certainly is going to, he'll, you would think, sign on for longer than a year. Here's a question. Actually, we'll save it for after the read about whether they would want to just sign Paul George and not sign anyone else. And that read is from Sonos. Sonos has changed the way that we enjoy entertainment at home. I love the Sonos one, being able to control music with my voice, especially if we have people over, they want to hear something, use the Alexa integration. It'll just play an artist for you. And with their up and running service, their speakers are really easy to set up. But if you don't even want to bother doing that, you can have someone do it for you for free. I I thought it was really useful because when they came in, they actually used an iPhone to test out how the speaker sounded in different parts of the room. And then they're able to actually optimize the sound for the specific rooms in my house. And it sounds amazing now. If you live in any major metropolitan area, their up and running service will have a trained expert deliver and set up your system absolutely free. You just order on Sonos.com. You select up and running at checkout if you qualify. As you may have noticed, Father's Day is coming up and Sonos and Spotify have you covered. We have a new URL for this one now before this special offer on Father's Day. If you go to fathersday.sonos.com, that'll get you a code for 15% off if you create a custom Spotify playlist and send it to your dad. Simply select your favorite artists and the year you were born, and then you do the same for your dad and Spotify will generate the perfect playlist to bridge the generation gap. So you go to, again, fathersday.sonos.com, and you get 15% off when you create that playlist. Playlist generator expires June 17th, and terms and conditions apply. Once again, fathersday.sonos.com, and get 15% off when you create your playlist. So yeah, Paul George, you know, we have talked about in the context of the wings when we did that podcast uh, previewing the free agent class that a five-year deal for paul george even at the 30 percent max you know that's basically the blake griffin contract from last summer probably doesn't look too good by the end and george has had this knee surgery now he's out six to eight weeks didn't have an amazing year in oklahoma city didn't have an amazing playoffs outside of a couple of games so if you're the lakers just just getting that one guy it's a four-year deal instead of five which is nice but are you interested in just getting paul george and that's it other than just you know having to kind of go i mean you, you still execute the plan maybe we can get one more free agent in 2019 so you just fill in around him just with your uh your room mid-level and using the rest of your you know you're probably if you only get george you're looking at really only about 18 million or so in space uh, to use around him and the room mid-level you're going to do that or you're going to kind of all right we're going to try and get into being a lower rung playoff team in the west or would you rather just totally keep the powder dry for 2019 based on my current expectations of the 2019 free agent class i think i would rather have one guy locked in than have two spots open 
just because I think Paul George makes the makes them more enticing than Empty Space. I could be, you know, because like, let's say it's Paul George versus Jimmy Butler. It's hard. I mean, George is, is 28. This will be his age 28 season coming up. He turns 29 in May of next year. I think I would rather have George than Jimmy. I agree. It is it is a close it is a close call and so you know there are might be certain circumstances let's say Kawhi you don't trade for him but he's available as a free agent he doesn't whether the extension is never offered or it is never signed yeah I would rather have Ka- Kawhi Leonard but again maybe they're, they're the health issue but maybe that's not clear either and the scarcity of wings makes him more valuable so yeah I would consider that and they probably wouldn't have enough money I wouldn't necessarily consider this of doing the kind of troll offer sheets or anything like that I was thinking about you know like oh like what the hell just throw some money at Nikola Jokic and it probably doesn't happen but maybe make his agent happy something like that I don't think they'd have enough money for it so yeah I think I would but you're right that it is a a harder decision maybe than some think just because the prospect so the prospect of, well, what is that team with him? And then what happens if he makes it less likely either due to a disappointing year or whatever, or an injury or heaven forbid that they get somebody else? Because there, it's certainly a risk. I just think that he's better than the uh, second bananas that I expect to be available in 2019. Yeah. And it's not worthless to just have a team that's actually like making the playoffs again. You know, I, I think if they, let's say they bring back KCP with the remainder of their cap space, they bring back Randall on what's hopefully a reasonable contract they use the room mid-level on a starting center who's probably not going to close games for them anyway you get some more growth from the young guys they played pretty well down the end of last year really the only guy you'd be losing off that team would be brooke lopez maybe even lopez would just come back at, at, for the room mid-level and then you know they would at least have uh early bird rights or i'm sorry they would still have full bird rights on him the next year with the kind of thought that hey maybe you can just continue to stick around as our starting center even if we go into free agency again so yeah that's not bad i think i i agree with you i would probably want to sign him and it's not like paul george is not going to have other multiple max offers it 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 does seem that you know if i'm paul the only place i would rather go i think would be the sixers in terms of like trying to win games i still think that there's a pretty decent chance that that lakers team if he goes there could be somewhat similar to the way the oklahoma city team looked this year maybe a little bit worse but then you still have of course more flexibility to get better in the future uh and who knows what happens with the run maybe they could try to get into the lebron sweepstakes again in 2019 too you know if he goes back to cleveland on a one-year deal or something like that so uh yeah i i would go ahead and do that oh i had one i wanted to ask you about as the second banana rankings go what about Kyrie? in 2019 like yeah. if, if you were Kawhi Leonard would you rather play with Paul George or Kyrie oh probably Kyrie you would say although we have, we don't know where Kyrie is going to be at that point in his career health wise sure. but yeah I mean there, there are the big free agents unrestricted for 2019 as of now are Irving who will be 27 as of that time Kawhi would be 28 Jimmy Butler 29 and Clay Thompson 29 although it's looking like Thompson is likely to stick around in Golden State you know, so that's not an amazing group. Kemba Walker would be available as well, Eric Bledsoe, but that's not the type of guys they're probably really talking about here. So I, I agree with you. I mean, it's somewhat similar maybe to the way when the Celtics got Al Horford, we're thinking, yeah, you know what? That's probably going to be a bad contract by the end. I'm certainly not thinking that way as much anymore. Horford has aged beautifully so far in Boston, but you kind of have to get that first guy to get the ball rolling and make this team at least somewhat relevant they've been out in the wilderness now you know their last playoff appearance it was 2013 so with the lakers pending free agents i think the easiest thing to do is just say well it depends on what happens with everybody else i mean kcp other than randall kcp brooke lopez isaiah channing fry you know, I think there, there, there's a case to be made that any of those guys could come back for the right reasons, but it's just that the circuit, they're, they're not the priority. So you just kind of have to see where things go. And then their non-guarantees, Zubach, Thomas Bryant, Tyler Ennis, they're sort of dependent, but their decision is earlier. What I would probably do, I don't, I, from what I have seen, and we talked about this a little bit, we did them for the prospect stuff a while ago. I haven't seen enough from any of those guys to say, hey, we need to make sure we keep this guy on roster. So might say, hey, we'd love to bring you back and, you know, basically replace your hold with a minimum. We should have enough roster spots for some of you guys. Maybe we can bring you back. But I wouldn't be sitting there going, we have to pick this up and lose a little bit of caps. Yeah. Now there's always the chance that the player could get claimed uh, on waivers, of course. Uh, Zubac, his guarantee date is actually June 30th. Now, what we're talking about uh, with him 
is the difference between the $815,000 empty roster slot, I'm sorry, $830,000 empty roster slot this year versus his salary, which will be about $1.5 million. So do you want to just it actually... If they do waive him now, the the good news for them is that like teams without cap space wouldn't be or, or an exception wouldn't be able to or a trade exception wouldn't be able to claim him. Be although the trade exception would be exceedingly small because his contract was uh, for three years, so it's not just a minimum contract that can just be claimed with the minimum exception. So there would be fewer teams that would actually claim him. But I think he he's someone that teams would be and she's shown a little bit of promise. Uh, at times but it, it could be an indicator if he does get waived that they are pretty confident in their chances and that and we talked about how tight the math may be that you know they might need that extra uh 700 grand well, or so it also might be possible for them to have an understanding with another team because because his, his guaranteed it is so early that they that like they could say hey we'll keep him but if we need this money would you be interested in him and they go yeah, yeah. sure and then you just trade him to orlando or whoever that right. is you know just that that other team that has an exception or something else like you can do it by being proactive without cutting yeah. him and thomas well. bryan although we saw little of him with the big club this year had an absolutely dominating year in the g league so you would imagine they would want to hold on to him as well what else do we have to talk about with these guys from a nuts and bolts perspective well they do have the 25th pick which they acquired in the amazing for them jordan clarkson larry nance trade for isaiah fry and, and a bunch of other stuff i mean that worked out really really well for them to clear clarkson's money is making a lot of this stuff possible and then then they have 47 i would say one of the other things they should be looking for Pretty much no matter what this team looks like. I mean, Star Talent is obviously number one, but I would like to see more floor spacing yeah. because they just they just need that. I mean, especially if, if Randall's going to be coming back. I like Randall's fit with a lot of the other, other players, but you need spacing around that. And then another thing is the evaluation process with Brandon Ingram. What is he defensively? Is he a three defensively? Ideally, is he a four? Is he just a forward in a switching system? Because... If he's a part of your future, then you need to figure out who you want next. Yeah, and I think uh, you mentioned Fry, who, because he had that appendectomy, we didn't really see play on this team very much until the very end of the season. But he's a guy, I've been saying this for a long time, that just having a backup shooting center can really be helpful for the development of some of these young guys this team he would be an excellent fit next to julius randall offensively he just to give a little more spacing to brendan ingram's drives ingram made great progress as a driver this year lonzo ball his finishing at the rim was some of the worst in recorded history this season give him a little more space to work with a pick and pop guy to work with lonzo it could be pretty helpful so i i think if they could find a way to bring him back it would be great if they don't have their big free agent score and they will have full bird rights on him i mean if they really wanted to it's possible danny that maybe just the most efficient use of their money would be to stay over the cap and bring back most of these guys you know because they can actually pay them a little bit more and it would be a way to maintain flexibility and kind of go get a little bit more bang for your buck because you have full bird rights on a lot of these guys you can just stay over the cap use that to pay them kind of an exorbitant one-year salary so you could still hopefully be good this year uh and convince them to just sign that one-year deal whether that's kcp they can only pay him 120 percent of what he made last year but that should be close to enough you would imagine you know that would be over 20 million dollars uh, brooke lopez he has a 34 million dollar hold so you'd probably reduce that by bringing him back but you know maybe you could pay him a one-year deal for like 15 million or something like that and uh, isaiah they really would have a much easier way to pay him on a one-year deal than anyone else would uh, unless it was a cap space team so that might be a, a way to maintain the flexibility and still give them their most competitive team is to be able to exceed the cap to re-sign a, a lot of these guys who are coming off the books in theory this year um, if in fact they don't get their primary target and i was thinking about what you just said in the context of how the rules are kind of different for the lakers because in other circumstances you would say oh if you're choosing 2019 over 2018 largely that would be because other players choosing not them you could say oh well just run it back with your young guys because this year the lakers have their own pick you know, you could get a better draft pick, give those guys a chance for development. But the Lakers, because they're going after these big fish, it makes sense that they would want to be more competitive to say, hey, look, look at what a difference you can make. And so then that makes bringing Lopez, KCP, those kind of guys back a lot more logical than it would be for, let's say, like the Hawks or something like that. Let's talk about Randall a little bit more. 
I mean, just in a vacuum now, his restricted free agent negotiations, what would your offer be to him? We've talked about this a lot of the free agents here of on July 1st, what is your final offer on on July 1st to Julius Randle to say, we want to keep you out of restricted free agency, just sign this now? It's worth noting that if they came to that sort of an agreement and it was for value above his hold, they could just wait to sign it. So then you would get the benefit of that. So for me with Randall, I think of him as a valued rotation player, maybe a kind of six man type more than a definite starter. And also, I think that the market will just bear that out, not necessarily because the winner's curse, it only takes one team to love a guy, but there just are not that many teams with cap space. They're going to be going after big fish. Some of them are not even going to use that cap space on free agents. So I would be thinking more in the range of his cap hold you could structure it differently so that would actually be an average value somewhere around 13 to 14 and you could structure that in a couple of different ways depending on what happens i would actually consider if it was like a four-year deal thinking about front loading it or at least slight or making it closer to flat if you can just to to throw a little bit on that year but yeah something in the 13 to 14 million dollar a year range in terms of average value would be where i would there was reporting indicating that the Lakers were offered by Randall's representation a deal starting at what Randall's cap hold would have been, which is a, about $12 million. So that would have been a contract probably is off the top of my head, but you know, in the four years, $55 million type of range. Ultimately, the Lakers turned that down at the time. But I would have to say that Randall had a good enough year last year that he's going to feel like, well, our, our, and especially now that he's made it through another year without injury, there's uncertainty. He feels like the price is going up for him. Now, there's also the market realities, but there's also the fact that he is an asset and the Lakers need him and he could sign the qualifying offer and potentially leave. You know, there, there's, he, it's not totally without leverage. But this does, it feels like the range that they're going to be in is, you know, he, he might be asking for $17 million a year. As you mentioned, you know, it's kind of tough to start him because of where he is defensively. He can switch, but he can't protect the rim. So he's really, he's kind of got to play the five on both ends. He can't shoot at all. But he's also a guy who I actually think really fits into modern basketball, not only his ability to switch, but his ability to attack switches on the other end i mean he's a guy who can dribble enter the ball for himself you get a smaller guy in him he's going to just bludgeon that guy in the post and we saw him do it even against you know conventional power forwards and even some centers not to mention if he gets a smaller guy on him so in today's nba i think he's a guy who could be pretty valuable as a change of pace who's like oh you're gonna switch us well we got this guy who's gonna just truck you so i don't really know what i think his value is usually i have a pretty good idea you know i, I wouldn't and I think he's an eye of the beholder kind of guy as well with the defensive limitations, but also how well he played offensively and his very specific skills. You know, you could see it wouldn't just kind of in a vacuum, 16 million a year for him wouldn't be crazy to me. You know, just as far as like the type of player that he's been, I think he's taken some step forwards. On the other hand, the realities of the market, where else is he getting that kind of an offer? Is he really a starter? Those concerns that you mentioned, that makes me kind of think it's more in the 12 million a year. So I, I think that's kind of the range that it's going to be the 12 to 17 million. And maybe, you know, you can can mess with that in terms of, all right, we'll give you a player option if you're going to take a, a couple million less a year. Or, you know, you can kind of mess around with that to get the annual figure that you need if you're the Lakers. But yeah, and I guess the, the last thing too, Okay, one more point here really quickly is if you get your guys in 2018, then it's easier to just kind of pay him a little bit more. If you're looking towards 2019 now, then you squeezing on Randall makes a lot more sense. And, and we could even see a, a contract that dips in 2019 and then goes back up in, in 2020 and beyond. But yeah, sorry, what was your point? Here? I wanted to play a little okay. game with Randall, which is... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the teams that have more money than the mid-level exception. And we're going to talk about whether he makes sense, not necessarily to whether they would want him, but just like whether he makes sense on that team. Okay, Chicago. I don't love the fit there. Um. Yeah, I mean, with like offensively, I think he's actually awesome with Markkanen. Oh, uh, yeah. But, and then both of those guys sure. actually, you know, neither of them can protect the rim, but both of those guys are actually like better switch guys than you would expect. So maybe we're just, all right, we're going to switch everything now. Uh, you know, Chris Dunn is big enough for that. Uh, Zach Levine, perhaps less so. Uh, but not terrible, but he doesn't, it, he doesn't seem like a Chicago kind of like personality necessarily that they're going to get into restricted mm-hmm. range. Yeah. So that seems low likelihood, but I, I, I don't think that's a crazy bad fit though. Sure. Sixers. No, 
That's, yes. that's pretty easy. Even though he would be a very interesting backup center for them, that's not where they're going right. with their caps. Hawks, I just don't think the timing is right. Yeah, and we'll see who they draft to. If they draft a big, which seems likely, then, uh, you know, they've been linked to Bagley, as we said. Uh, you know, if they draft Doncic, then maybe, maybe they would think about it. Maybe. But if they could use that space to squeeze other teams, they could do a lot of things. Dallas, connections to the area, obviously, because he grew up there, would be a fascinating kind of fit as a much better Dwight Powell. You know, like offensively, Dwight Powell doesn't protect the rim much either. And Randall is much more gifted, though he doesn't have a jump shot. So I think they would consider it, but I don't think he's the best fit for them either. Yeah, okay fit with Dirk, though, uh, as a shooter in the front court, maybe. But yeah, that's a, it's not, not ideal. I mean, who else you got here? Pacers, I don't think he fits with Miles Turner that well. Just, it's a little bit too much. Yeah. Kings. I don't know what the hell they're doing, so maybe. Yeah, I mean, they need more scoring, so you know it wouldn't be a shocker. Yeah. Nets, I actually think that's really interesting. It doesn't necessarily fit what Atkins is doing, and I like Jared Allen a lot, but, I mean, eh, maybe. And then Utah, I don't see that either with Gobert. No, uh, and this is another interesting question is, between him, Parker, and Aaron Gordon, you know, who would you be prioritizing it if you're a team? For me, with most teams, I think I would be going with gordon just because i think he can be he's a more a clean cut cog in a machine like you know just not going to be your lead offensive player not going to be your lead defensive player but can fit in you can make an argument that he's been misutilized a little bit in orlando just because those teams have been so weird but i mean jabari has higher upside we've talked about that a lot and if i were closer you know like if randall could be is is an interesting piece in the puzzles but i would say for most situations i'd probably go with yeah and you'd probably have clint capella above all those guys that i would say um oh yeah you didn't you didn't mention phoenix as a possible destination did you what do you think of that oh yeah i didn't mention phoenix uh for randall hmm god the island of misfit toys in terms of big men that they already have yeah again it's not another one that it's not impossible and also worth noting too that some of these teams you can just make multiple restricted free agent offer sheets if they get matched then they just move on to the next sure (laughs) there's um, right but yeah you know i i mean i think of the really kind of four uh, oh uh, what about randall or yusuf nurk i think i'd probably rather have randall than than on most teams i would rather have randall yeah just because I think he can, he fits the modern game a little bit more. I think Nurkic is a good player and and his role in Portland's defense might be underappreciated. But I mean, we, there's still this question about where he fits in on a playoff. I guess that's true with both those guys. But yeah, I guess I'd probably go with Randall. God, Nurkic's agents must be freaking out right now. Uh, well, that assumes that they oh listen to the show. Um, are you just saying in general? It's true. <laughs> they must be. Oh yeah, just because there's so much volatility with him. I mean, it only takes one team, but it does take one team. Yeah, but, but, you know, I'd have Randall probably fourth or fifth in the pecking order of restricted free agents here. And and that's not even necessarily counting Nikola Jokic. So, yeah, that's not a great place to be in as far as getting an offer sheet. I mean, I think that was kind of the point of your exercise, which I agree with. Oh, one other thing, just to mention throwing out, it would be very hard to sign and trade Randall because they would basically want expiring money back unless, and this is an interesting possibility, it takes long enough with everybody else that they already have, like, let's say it's LeBron and Paul George locked up. Then, while they could also just keep Randall, they could move him to another team and get back players you think are a better yeah, fit. Yeah, or even re-signing him, and then you could use him as as the human trade exception around the trade deadline as well. I mean, they really... if Because if they sure. bring in... Um, and, and it would be easier around yeah, yeah, they the could, trade they could... too because they'll have some minimum contracts. They'll have whoever they sign with the room exception. But yeah, it'd mm-hmm. be tough to get enough salary. To, the same thing as we talked about with Boston. They could be the, I haven't run the actual math yet, but they could be the second team, I believe it would be the second team in modern NBA history to use cap space and pay the luxury tax in the same season. The first being when LeBron went back to Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, that was quite the quite the job by the their team at, at that point. Um all right, let's do another read here. Unless you got anything else you want to talk about with these guys? I think I think that's about all I've got. Nope, that's about it. I mean, just mentioning that it's going to be another year until until uh, Ingram is even extension eligible. So that's good. They have a long time to evaluate this group, and I think we should talk. Just acknowledge this significant possibility that if they got one of one or more of these big players, that some of their young guys are moving as well because they just might not be as good of fits. I think Lakers fans are thinking, "Oh, we're going to get LeBron. He's going to want to play with all these young guys." Well, recent past is that some of those young guys are going to be gone. Yeah, and Lonzo, I think Ingram, they would love to keep around, and he really would fit in. Uh, although Ingram was going to have to find himself a jumper fast if he's playing with LeBron uh, and Paul George, but um, you know, ha- having that type of athleticism and length could just an absolute defensive monster um 
All right, as y'all know, Father's Day is coming up. Are you trying to find that perfect gift? Omaha Steaks delivers hand-trimmed, flash-frozen, and vacuum-sealed meats directly to your door in Omaha Steaks Cooler. We actually went to a party on Saturday, and it was one of those parties where you kind of just bring your own meat to grill. And so I brought the Omaha Steaks stuff, and uh, suffice to say, a lot of people were very jealous. I, I as a non-selfish person... Only ate some of the stuff that we brought and everyone else uh, was very impressed. And right now, Omaha Steaks is offering my listeners a limited time Father's Day package for only $49.99. At 78% off, this is an amazing deal. The way to get started with them is you go to omahasteaks.com. Before you even check out, search Cap Space, and then it'll get you this Father's Day package, which includes two filet mignons, two sirloins. Those are the ones that we made at the barbecue. Four chicken fried steaks. Haven't had a chance to try those yet since I'm on the low-carb diet before the wedding, but looking forward to getting to those. Two boneless pork chops. Four all-beef Omaha steak burgers. Four jumbo franks. 12 ounces of all-beef meatballs. Those are fantastic. A pound of steakhouse fries. Four caramel apple tartlets. And one Omaha Steaks seasoning packet. Plus, you get an additional four Omaha Steaks burgers free with purchase. Once again, this package for only $49.99 is available when you go to omahasteaks.com. Type that cap space code. Easy to remember, we've been talking about that this whole time here with the Lakers in the search bar. And add the Father's Day package to your cart. Once again, omahasteaks.com. Make sure you type that cap space code in the search bar and let them know that you came from us. Don't wait. This offer ends soon before Father's Day. So the Memphis Grizzlies finished a disappointing 22-60 and 60 this season. We did see a lot of young guys play for this team. Some bright spots, some uh, perhaps a little bit dimmer. But where would you like to start with this team in terms of how their young guys played this season? I actually want to do their fundamentals oh, yeah. briefly, just because it's been I always, so I long. I always forget that. So th- <laughs> that you want to do that first. <laughs> yeah, negative six point four net rating was twenty sixth in the league, twenty seventh in offense, twenty fourth in defense. And the place that I want to start is actually the player, the rookie who played the most minutes in the NBA this season, Dylan Brooks. Brooks was a surprising kind of just stalwart in the rotation played in all 82 games started 74 and there were times where I I, I liked him as just kind of like a, a smaller piece in a bigger machine he did get a lot of opportunities just because Memphis's perimeter rotation was so rough this year but I like how he consistently competes on defense he hit 30 36 percent of his threes which is good I, I'm ha- I'd be happy with that number moving forward and so I, I thought he had a good head on his shoulders. I don't think he's like a perennial starter on a good team, but he can certainly be a part of a rotation. Yeah, and to get a player like that in the second round is impressive. For Brooks, yeah. Oh, we should mention that he is an older rookie. He, this was his age 22 right. season. Right, and for the Canadian, Dylan Brooks, since people like it when we say people's names more often, 18.5% usage, so that's not bad. A little bit below average in terms of true shooting. Didn't get to the foul line much. It mostly operated as a dependent player, though he did have a couple of big games where he blew up hitting a bunch of threes spot ups were his most used possession type and he was actually pretty effective there Uh, 1.09 points per possession that was 76 percentile especially on a team this offensively limited not bad what really dragged down his efficiency was 227 possessions in the pick and roll scored only 156 points on those so 0.69 points per possession that is one of the worst marks in the nba 14th percentile for a guy who had that many possessions and then again this is a team that was so limited but you know his passes just did not yield a great shooting percentage amazingly the grizzlies shot six out of 31 on passes by brooks to spot up shooters so that could be an indication that you know a they have bad shooters but b that he's throwing some flaming bags to guys at the end of possessions and it's just making it pretty tough there Another challenging element of his efficiency. So he took Brooks took twelve percent of his shots from long two. That's actually solid. I would be okay with that. But he only sh- he shot below thirty percent on those, and then thirty four percent from ten to sixteen feet, which is more you know like straight mid range. And you know those numbers aren't terrible. You just want to reduce the reduce the apart they are in the game. And I think he's on the right path to making that happen. He did shoot. 34% of his shots this year from three, which is good. I'd like to see that a little bit higher for him. Yeah, and as we mentioned with his pick and roll struggles, certainly encouraging for a guy like him that he's able to even like run enough pick and roll, but his shooting off the dribble out of pick and roll was really bad. Only 25 out of 83 on those shots, 30%. Uh, encouraging though that he actually was able to get to the basket on 34% of his pick and roll possessions and, and finished about league average on those plays, uh, one point. 
1.06 points per possession pretty good uh especially again on this team that struggled so much offensively I mean, and i think that's one of the big themes of all these memphis players is you know they really just had to were pushed so far outside of their comfort zone especially down the end you know once conley went out aaron harrison or i'm sorry andrew harrison missed a ton of time as well he, he actually matured we'll talk about him in a little bit but he matured into a decent backup point guard type of player but then he even was out at the end of the year and so it's just guys who had to do so much some of the lineups that were being played were like you know jermichael green at the three and jerrell martin at the four and so it's especially offensively it was good in one sense that these guys got to stretch their legs but bad in that they're not really working within a real nba ecosystem so we can see what they can do you know when you're actually trying to play winning basketball what did you think about brooks defensively i thought his effort was good i would like to see him improve with time get a little bit stronger i think that would really help as well but you know i think he can i I think on that end he can he can help himself which is definitely important yeah you know he's got a strong build which is good so he's got some switchability he's not an unbelievable athlete not a quick twitch guy he pretty low in terms of block rate only 0.7 percent block rate which is for reference is below what mario chalmers was and tyreek evans were this year so it's really more kind of about his strength and like adequate feet than it is that he can actually make guys uncomfortable at all and not a particularly impressive steal rate for him either so i think he could be a solid cog in the machine but if he's your number one option on the wing you know that's probably not an excellent should we move on here or you got anything else on him no, I think that's enough. Do you want to go to Harrison? I mean, we already brought him up a little bit, and I, I thought this was a really a nice season for him in terms of being a, a a rotation player moving forward. Yeah, and the number one thing, Harrison, even as a two point shooter in college, was a horrible two point shooter on, on that great 2015 Kentucky team. But he took a step forward. Three point nine three point attempts per 36 minutes, shot 33. percent That is actually like adequate, especially since he's got to take a lot of those off the dribble. You know, certainly a guy who wasn't getting guarded that much, but started to make some strides in terms of having to be guarded. And then on two pointers, 47%. That's a, a lot better than he's been so far in his career at any level. Showed some passing vision. He's got size at 6'5 and a, a good enough point guard handle. So he's played even some with Mike Conley at the two the year before, which we hated. But I think that shows some of his defensive chops. And he's a guy who. I don't see him being a good enough offensive player to have starter potential, but last year was his age 23 season, and I thought he provided adequate backup point guard play, which I did not expect from him coming up. The problem was he started a lot, but but he played at the level of an adequate backup point guard. And and also, so he was effective in pick and roll. He In, in, in overall offense, the Grizzlies scored about a point per possession, 0.957 a little bit higher than that on his passes and a little bit lower on his shots but still being at close to a point per possession on his shots is great compared to what what the concerns were and when you think about memphis's limited offensive talent he could potentially be more effective just by having teammates that are better at converting the opportunities that are created for example like they they shot they had a 0.9 points per possession when he passed on spot ups to pick and rolls i mean that should just be a higher that should be a higher well, number well, it's better just than, because it's better those than are generally 31 like brooks was <laughs> That's true. But so, yeah, so you have the, those sorts of things. But I, I've been impressed with Harrison just, yeah, as, as, a, as a kind of playing within himself, not being as aggressive. The turnover rate, I mean, was always something that I was going to be concerned about with him. I I, fe- I felt like that was better this year. I haven't actually checked it compared to last year. I'm, but I, I think that just watching him, it was fewer of those kind of like head scratchers. And yeah, his turnover rate did drop by 2%. So that that's better. And yeah, I was. I I thought it was a very encouraging season for him. I don't. You know, the timing might not necessarily work in terms of like, will he always, you know, kind of worth it to have for next year? But then after that, you know, do you really want to pay him? Like, do you want to lock in with that? But I liked what he's brought, and so this was his age twenty three season as well. Yeah, and he is on a contract next year, non guaranteed for the minimum until the league wide cutdown date in January. So he's in. Uh, certainly, I think they'll, they'll want to keep him around. Uh, and you know, he's not a great offensive backup point guard, but as a guy who does enough on offense and then is a quality defensive option, had to feel pretty good about him. Where do you want to go next? Let's do Wayne Selden. You stay on the perimeter. Selden, I thought, was really a missing piece early in the season. And then he helped, helped them kind of reach a little bit of their stride just as a capable two guard. And Really, for me, with him, like I, I think he could be a part of the rotation. He is actually uh, has a about half guarantee for next year, 
and I would certainly keep him around, but I wouldn't be saying, oh, he's your shooting guard or even your backup to the future, even though I think he has the capability of being a rotation player. Yeah, they actually were talking about him maybe starting this year, either him or Ben McLemore, and uh, Ben McLemore yeah. didn't quite work Oops. out, but, but Selden, you know, he, he was another one of these guys who was felled by a mysterious quad injury for most of the year ended up playing about 600 minutes or so this season another guy who maybe had more than you'd want to give him as a pick and roll player but he does did show the ability to get to the basket I mean he's not a guy who's like crossing guys up with advanced ball handling moves but on a straight line he's got strength especially if he's up against a guy his size he can be real aggressive get his shoulder past the guy and get to the rim a little bit from a shooting perspective 55 percent on twos is solid and about league average at the rim and then he dropped uh 40 of his threes 49 out of 122 uh, he's got a big body i think he's an adequate defensive option and so if he can continue to shoot the ball like that and have some selective drives you know i actually think he could become a starter uh i'm not counting on that necessarily just to, due to his pedigree and the injury problems he had last year but I think he's shown some flashes in his career. He also had a wonderful summer league in 2017. He's shown enough flashes in his career to think that he could be a starter. And it's not out of the question that he could be their starting shooting guard next year. Yeah, we'll see what they get in in the draft in free agency i mean they're not going to have a lot to work with there's the whole prospect of what happens with tyreek but yeah I, I see selden as as a part of it and then you get next year to evaluate him as well there was a brief moment in time when kobe simmons looked like a you know like a revelation he had that nice little yeah. run including a game actually against the warriors where he yeah, looked good that that moment in time was what one game <laughs> it was like two games yeah <laughs> And we talked, it was like 115 and 60. We're like, hey, Kobe Simmons is looking really good. It was this talented guy. He went to Arizona, yes, right? Yeah. Went to Arizona. And then, yeah, he another guy who just had too much on his. Yeah. And the three-point shooting regressed to where he was only 28% for the season. Another guy who played around 600 minutes. But as a guy who was uh, undrafted and uh, on a two-way contract, you know, we don't need to spend that much time on him. Still someone that will be interesting to keep an eye on this year in summer league. He's got a very raw game, but very, very quick feet and pretty athletic although he's never really been able to put that together necessarily into great finishing but someone to keep an eye on the exact type of guy you would think you would want on a two-way contract and it showed enough this year uh, flashed enough to that he's someone that we're at least talking about when he's on a two-way contract but i don't know that we need to spend that much time on him uh deontay davis what did you make of his season uh i mean he still is you know physically capable you know, athlete, like as, as a jumper, but I just wonder really what his role is on a successful team. Not the, he's a decent shot blocker, but not like the, the dominant defensive overall force that I kind of hoped he would be. Also his rebounding overall isn't exactly where I want it to be. Not that it's bad. It's just not, it doesn't really stand out. And then offensively, his games to me, pretty vanilla. Did shoot 60% from the field this year, but my hope for him, why I kind of liked him coming out of Michigan state was I thought that he would be someone who would have above average athleticism at the center position, really get up and finish some alley And he can do that. I think he's still a solid finisher, has good touch, developing mid-range game, shall we say. You know, not something you want to be relying on quite yet. Whether he can stretch that out to three or not, I'm skeptical of that at this point. That's It's got a ways to go there. But both from an awareness and shot blocking standpoint defensively, the ability to move his feet in pick and roll defense, and then finally you know, really getting up there for like the highest alley-oops. I don't know whether I just misevaluated him coming out of college or whether those foot injuries that he had his first year really seemed to sap his athleticism or maybe he just had never really got into great shape after that. But he has not had the type of bounce that I think he needs to really be a factor as anything more than kind of, you know, a blase backup big. Jarrell Martin had quite the turnaround last year. It sounded like in the preliminary reporting during training camp that he was not only going to get his fourth year option decline, but also get cut. Then he gets his option picked up, makes the team and starts their second game of the year. Ended up starting 36 games, playing in 73 and I just think of him as a like a more of a not a rotation big but a, a fourth or fifth guy that you can have on the roster doesn't really move the needle a lot I mean was an absolutely I, I remember him as being a really good rebounder as a prospect but that hasn't translated all the way in the pros and he's never really popped to me as an NBA player yeah the thought that was that he might be 
able to have a nice face-up game attack slower power forwards off the dribble but those slower power forwards don't really exist that much anymore and he's really probably the poster child of the grizzlies tanking just barfing up a lot of long twos as zach Lowe would say 32 percent of his offense came on spot ups and he shot 35 percent on those spot ups to get out to three just slightly to the point where his adjusted field goal percentage was 42 percent on those spot ups but that's still pretty miserable and just one of my memories of him in that 61 point drubbing in charlotte was just jacking up a shot at the moment it touched his hands from 17 feet you know we saw a lot of that this grizzlies team and you know he's not that level of shooter and uh, you know i'm just not i guess he's like can kind of move his feet a little bit defensively i'm just what does he do i i don't really see it at this point and we're getting to the point where there there are more big men that are capable than available roster spots so you have to have a pretty positive case moving forward i mean certainly he's guaranteed for this coming season you can keep him around unless somebody really impresses in training camp but i mean it's hard to say why him instead of somebody else until he proves it maybe he could go to europe or something like that and develop his game a little bit more come back at 27 or so but i just don't see it right now he shot 35 percent on threes that's like okay maybe there's some potential there uh but unless he's really gonna be you know maybe you could see him as sort of a Darrell Arthur type of guy but he's not going to be the type of defender that Darrell Arthur was earlier in his career but that's that's kind of you know I see his game kind of along those lines maybe a little bit better off the dribble than Arthur but uh that's if the defense really comes around and he hasn't shown much as a quality defensive option and he he was started a lot of games he he was third on this team in minutes playing six sixteen hundred and sixty one minutes and started 36 games but you know really is he's a replacement level guy at this point and not someone who's like flashed enough to where i'm like oh he's gonna really you know this is his age 23 season where you think he's gonna turn the corner i mean you could see him maybe becoming an adequate backup power forward in time if the jumper gets a little bit better if the defense gets a little bit better but you know i I don't see any one skill that he has that pops at all to me that seems like a a worthy transition into ivan rab somebody who i saw a couple times in person at cal he played with jalen brown and what struck me then still strikes me now which is just like he has a decent head on his shoulders but he just never seemed like a professional like an nba caliber athlete and so that is sitting there going well how's this gonna work and you know he was reasonably efficient in terms of per and true shooting this year 60 percent true shooting 16.6 per on 17 percent usage but when when he played he played five, 500 500 minutes in the season i never really saw this like dominant player or somebody who really had a high ceiling i just saw a guy who who exists yeah i mean he's kind of got like a little bit of ed davis to his game maybe if you squint real hard davis of course has had trouble finding a fit but it has turned himself into a relentless offensive rebounder davis is a little more bounce uh, than rab did especially when he was younger still really a tweener between the four and the five defensively rab a better shooting touch than someone like davis and maybe he can get get it out to three but his ability to shoot okay on long twos from or even not long twos just kind of medium range twos from like 15 feet it isn't really that valuable at this point but you know he did have a 11.6 percent offensive rebounds in his 516 minutes 24 percent defensive rebounds that's outstanding in the g league where he spent uh, quite a bit of time had another 500 minutes there and he was again excellent on the glass you know that's probably really his best skill at this point 12 percent offensive rebounds in the g league 25 percent defensive rebounds blocked some shots uh, in the g league as well 4.9 percent block rate that didn't translate as much to the nba level where he blocked only 2.4 percent of opponent twos obviously had a much bigger size advantage in the g league so someone again who eh, you know maybe could, could get there as a a backup center when he's not going to get because he doesn't really have the heft to fight with the biggest centers either you know, a guy you can like be a plugger and give you some minutes but again not someone who really sticks out to me that much i mean worth noting he had a 17 pr like that's not bad you know i think he could put up a few numbers but it's just again other than rebounding like what are what is his real standout skill and rebounding is you know less important than it's ever been at this point in time and i don't think he's quite quick enough feet wise to be a switch guy defense yeah i would agree with that so i i have hopes for him unlike a lot of these other players for memphis he has team control 
in terms of a team option after the season. A lot of the guys, Selden, Harrison, Deontay Davis, Joe Martin, those guys are all going to be restricted if they get qualifying offers. Rab and Brooks both have non-guarantees or, you know, team could have another year at the minimum after this year. So that makes it makes life easier on Memphis. They get more valuation time for those players. And we'll have to see how, how they want to balance these roster spots. This is going to be different than last year where they actually like, they cut Rade Zagorich even though he had two years of guaranteed money. I think that they, they could end up doing that with one year, you know, like whoever, if they get somebody who outpaces them. But generally speaking, I think they're going to be throwing these guys in the mix and just seeing who stands out again this year. All right. Are we forgetting about anyone or are we done here? I think that's good. And that is the last of our prospect. Re- I mean, it took, I don't know. Did it, it, it took, we started doing it at the end of the season. Eventually... So yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I am happy that we did this and I definitely look forward to doing it again next year, but yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see where where Memphis is. I mean, it's an interesting place to end it, just because they have so many guys that I just feel generally apathetic <laughs> on. But at least at least they have a lot of guys, so that's yeah, good. Maybe and they, and it's not like they're yeah. paying those. Yeah, and I mean, we didn't mention Macklemore while he is about the same oh, age God, as these guys because no, he's let's just was just stop. Macklemore's age twenty four. I, I, I season. can't. I can't. <laughs> no, no, I can't. I just want because. <laughs> I just wanted to mention that, you know, that he's about the same age, but no, we're not talking yeah, about him. I think he, he's had enough time to show what he is at, at this point. And we didn't have to talk about Bryce Johnson, so yay. Yeah, no, I, yeah the, Bryce Johnson, who, like, I think he, I tweeted out a couple clips of him during that 61-point game, and I think, like, that was actually, like, one where he, like, tipped the ball into his own basket, another one where, like, a guy was coming down at a fast break, and Johnson just, like, sprinted away from him and let him get a layup, uh, and then I think that was the last time that he played. I think they released him after that. But this has been a useful exercise, I think, for all these teams just to kind of set a primer and give us an idea of these guys going into summer league where we're going to be watching guys like this very closely. So thanks again for listening. Oh, let me plug. I don't know exactly when it's going to come out, but my next offseason preview is going to be the Indiana Pacers. So I wanted to get that out before we hear about some of the options just because... I, I didn't think I was going to have a chance to rewrite it. So that'll be out. They have a really fascinating offseason, as you and I have alluded to a number of times on the show, and we'll preview them later on for Dunk. All right, and thanks again to Sonos for sponsoring today's program. They've changed the way that I've been enjoying both music and home theater. Father's Day is coming up, and Sonos and Spotify have you covered. If you go to the link fathersday.sonos.com, that'll get you a code for 15% off when you create a custom Spotify playlist to send to dad. Simply select your favorite artists and the year you were born, then do the same for your dad. And Spotify will generate the perfect playlist to bridge the generation gap. Go to fathersday.sonos.com, create that playlist, and you get 15% off. The playlist generator expires June 17th, and terms and conditions apply.